Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Just Another History Podcast. I'm Evan Orwell. And I'm Dylan Colucci. And we are your hosts. Uh, you can find Dylan on Instagram at Dylan Colucci. That's all one word, spelled Dylan with a Y, C-O-L-U-C-C-I. You can find me on Instagram at Evan underscore Norville. That's Evan underscore N-O-R-V-E-L-L. And you can find me, Just Another History Podcast, on Instagram at Just Another History Podcast with underscores between each word. So in today's episode, guys, we will continue with part seven of our American Civil War series. Uh, Dylan and I will be discussing the military situation in 1865, the 13th Amendment, the eventual Confederate surrender, and Abraham Lincoln's death. We've got a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. So, uh, Dylan, uh, we've covered a lot in these past few episodes, uh, a lot more than should have been covered in only seven episodes. Yeah. <laughs> this, we've got to made a whole podcast about this. Pretty topic. much. Uh, so, w- with that in mind, you know, we're hitting high points. I like to reiterate that to everybody. This is not the one-stop shop for getting your facts on the Civil War. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Dylan, I think we should start with our discussion on the military situations on both sides in 1865. Yeah. So let's let's start with the North here. The North is sitting pretty, pretty right now. Pr- pretty, pretty. Whatever. They're, they're sitting pretty. Per usual. At this moment, right. Per usual, right? So let's just talk about this. So uh, the Army of Tennessee, which was like the last large army in the West, was destroyed basically at the uh, Franklin-Nashville campaign. Okay. Now we talked about the, that army kind of retreated all the way down to like North Mississippi, and uh, eventually would would go and join up in North Carolina with the Department of North Carolina and, the, and those armies up there. Yeah. But mainly th- them as like a serious fighting force at this point on, they were like no more. Right. So the Union destroyed basically all remnants of anything in the West besides any guerrilla. You know, there's you're always going to have little guerrilla patches here, militias here and there. And uh, they had Lee and the Army of Northern Virginia trapped at Petersburg, which we talked a little bit about. Last yeah, episode, we, we kind of lightly touched lightly on it. We're going to really touch on it today, but they're sitting pretty right now, and they they've cut swaths through the south. If you want to kind of visualize this in your head, guys, or get a map, look at it. They've taken the Mississippi River, so they've got a swath cut there. They've cut a swath down through Georgia, through mm-hmm. the ocean. Uh, they've cut a swath through Alabama uh, during the raids they were doing. They've uh, taken all of Tennessee. Uh, Half of Arkansas, you know, yeah. a lot of Mississippi, a lot of uh, Kentucky, Louisiana yeah. and Kentucky. Yeah, they've definitely got Kentucky in a lot. <laughs> Had it a lot for a long time. And so you can just see they're sitting pretty. And uh, basically it's just a waiting game at this point. They've got – what they were trying to do was divide and conquer. They've got the South split up into all these little chunks now. Mm-hmm. The only really untouched, if you want to say air quote, state would be Texas. That's just because they were way out there, <laughs> you know. But Nobody anyway, wants to mess with Texas. No, Exactly. So that's where the North is at right now. So let's switch over to the South. Okay. So really uh, the South is doing pretty, pretty poor at this moment in time. (laughs) Uh, Been doing poor for just a little while, uh, if you want to say, and they've really only got one major army left, which is the army of Northern Virginia, which is trapped at Petersburg. Okay. Being sieged. Uh, And so let's just talk about the situation they're in. In February of 1865, here is what they were being rationed in the Army of Northern Virginia. Okay, Rationed is what you would be issued by the Army to eat, by the way. So uh, a quarter pound of bacon, 
and just a few ounces of cornmeal, and that's like for the week. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so they had enough to make, you know, a small cake, a small like, uh, when I say cake, I don't mean like a sweet cake. I mean like a uh, piece of cornbread basically is the yeah. size of that you're getting to make. And you're baking, which is probably moldy and nasty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's all. Sounds real terrible. Terrible. And that's really all they're getting at this point and anything they can forge off the land, which granted is not going to be a lot when you're stuck in one city for nine months. <laughs> Yeah. Being sieged, nothing coming in or out, you know. So that's what they're being get being uh, issued, whatever is what they're getting. Uh, to also show the situation of their morale, how low it is, eight percent of the Army of Northern Virginia deserts between February and March of '65. That's a. Uh, it may not seem like a lot, but for Lee and his small force that he has, yeah. that's a crap load of people. And we'll go into a little bit more here in a minute. In a minute, but yeah. You said. February to March yeah. of 1865, Fine. you know, the siege at Petersburg that we'll talk about started in uh, 1860, in the summer of 1864. Right. So at this point, they're well, well, they're into, well into it. it. Almost, yeah. it's almost over at this right. point. Right. And there's, of course, I don't have the numbers on this, but I'm sure people were leaving uh, before this, you know, because a lot, I mean, uh, deserting was a, was a common thread during the Civil War on both sides, but kind of, you see this more in the South, the people would enlist for their time. And they were like, "Well, I'm done. I'm going home. I don't. I don't want to. I don't like war anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing." And then they would be like drafted in, but then they would like be like, "No, that that's like unlawful." See, the Confederacy they saw themselves as each being sovereign states, and then when the federal government of the Confederacy started doing the draft, which by the way was the first draft in American history, on either side, you know, yeah. uh, they were like, "That is something that a federal government would do, and we don't like the federal government, so." <laughs> Piss off. We're getting, you know, so I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so uh, they didn't appreciate that. And so that you kind of see this common thread going through. But obviously, at this point, they're being starved to death. Their clothes are probably ratty. Uh, they're they're in a terrible place at this moment. Okay. Like I said, morale is terribly, terribly low. And basically, uh, there's not much else that they can see to do at this moment. They're hoping for a miracle, but they don't really know what's going to happen. So this kind of brings us to where we're at at Petersburg. So Dylan, uh, why don't you touch on that and kind of kind of get us established here of what's going on? Yeah. So I'll uh, we can pick back up kind of where we left off in the last episode. Sure. Uh, you know, we talked about the Overland campaign and, and the last battle of that last battle of that being the Battle of Cold Harbor, uh, in which the Confederates absolutely demolished mm. uh, a lot of Grant's men. Definitely. So. After the Battle of Cold Harbor, Grant's army pretty much heads for Petersburg. They uh, they kind of sneak around, and and they head for Petersburg. Lee a lot of Lee and a lot of his men go back to Richmond to defend that. Right. And uh, so at the time that Grant arrives in Petersburg, they finally get there. And at the time, the on the eastern part of the city, of course, surrounding the city, there's all sorts of like earthworks and batteries that the Confederate army has built, of course, uh, to defend the city. Well, they get to the eastern part of the city, and there's only about 2,200 men on that, on that defending that portion of the, right. the city, and they were under the command of uh, General Be- Beauregard. Okay. And uh, so they were probably thinking, like, oh, this will be pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, this will be pretty easy. You know, this will be that's a the, That's the same Beauregard from way back at the uh, first battle at Fort Sumner. Yep. So he's he's been through it all. <laughs> so uh, we're – before the actual siege of Peterburg, Petersburg happens, there's a few days of just kind of battles here and there. And sure. Uh, we'll kind of, you know, lightly skim over those. Uh, 
so it started on June 15th and went to the 18th. Okay. Of 1865. Uh, sorry, 1864. Yeah, you're good. Uh, and then, like I said, this was led up to what became a nine-month, little over nine-month siege of the city. Exactly. So the Union and Confederate armies, they just kind of battle it out. Uh, and the Union army, they seem to be making some decent progress. You know, they capture a few batteries here and there, take over a few earthworks. Sure. You know, they're slowly making progress yeah. towards yeah. getting into Petersburg. Uh, but then Lee arrives with his reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of ruins those plans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the whole, the whole thing here was, instead of capturing Richmond, which was, you know, the capital of the Confederate. Exactly. States of America, Grant was like, oh, let's just go to Petersburg because it was a very, very important supply line. I think I read that in Petersburg, there were five different uh, railroads that, that converged. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a huge railroad okay. junction. Yeah. So he's like, we can capture this and basically alienate the capital, cut yeah. off their supply, their you know communication. And, and at the same time, you destroy like the only large army left in the Confederacy. Yeah, also, yeah. So that was kind of why they're here uh, to begin with. So like I said, Lee arrived with reinforcements. And by the time that happened, the city was much more heavily manned. Uh, and yep. they realized they're like, okay, well, we can't take the city by force, right? Now that right. this has happened, yeah, they can't just, just do a forward assault of it. Yeah, I and mean, they honestly, they probably, quote unquote, could have, yeah. but it would have the loss of life would have been. Massive. Yeah, it would have been massive, you know. So they did uh, the typical Grant thing to do, <laughs> and they they laid seeds to it. Yeah. So they basically circled the city, of course, and it ended up lasting nine months, and it was just. During that time, I mean, it was just, you know, like small skirmishes between both sides and, you know, exchanging fire and artillery right. fire. Right. And uh, all the while, like you said, Lee's army is trapped inside of the city, right. basically bleeding to death. You know, yeah. no no food, no supplies. Right. Or very little. Very little. And, you know, during this time, guys, we, we had talked about uh, what Sherman was doing in Georgia. You know, he did his march to the sea and he got done there and he cut a swath from there up to the Carolinas. And yeah. so he went through South Carolina, absolutely decimated South Carolina because that was where secession started, you know. So he made sure <laughs> they felt it. Uh, come through North Carolina wasn't so bad. But anyway, what he was doing is, Sher is Sherman was on his way to meet with Grant because he, he was trying to get to Petersburg, basically, yeah. and, and try to help Grant. So at the same time this is going on, I want you all to visualize that, that Sherman is on his way. And so Grant is getting reinforced he doesn't need them, but he's definitely reinforcements are coming for him. Yeah. And and I'm sure that Lee kind of feels that. And so. And Lee's not getting anything. He's not getting anything. This is it. Yeah. This yeah. is pretty much it. And like it. <laughs> like, like the entire South. This yeah. is probably all that's left. So it's not looking very good for Robert e. Lee and his men. Right. Uh, obviously. So like I said, the seeds last for nine months. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of a lot of back and forth. Nothing really happens. They're just, like I said, trying to bleed them, starve them to death. Exactly. And uh, so that happens, like I said, in June of 1864. Fast forward uh, to April of 1865. So on April 2nd, it was very clear that Lee's army was just worn down. Like you said, so many people had deserted. Yeah. I'm sure people had probably literally starved to death. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. And there were even a few, I'm sure there were, you know, deaths and stuff between different little skirmishes. And things sure. That uh -huh. So Lee's army was really worn down. And like I said, on April 2nd of 1865, Lee's, uh, the right flank of his army fell to Union cavalry. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So Grant sent the cavalry in, pretty much destroyed his right flank. And he was like... Which I believe was under command of Philip Sheridan. 
Uh, yes, time, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. So when that happened, Grant didn't waste much time, and he pretty much just ordered a full frontal attack, just yeah, all fronts. Front. Yeah. And and uh, so they closed in on Lee's army, and Lee and Lee's army they, they managed to escape. If they hadn't, they would have just probably just been destroyed right, right then and there. And you kind of see this a lot, and this is true in, in real life. If a if a person is backed into a corner, they're gonna absolutely fight for their life. And so that's probably the only reason that Lee and his men got out of there was because they were all like, well, if we don't, we're going to die here. If yeah, we don't, like this is, this it. is it. And so that's probably the reason that they were able to bust out. And you see this a lot during the war and you see this just in real life. Now, if you get three or four men corner, another one, he's probably going to act like a wild animal. To to get out of there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's the same kind of situation here. And but, just to, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying they, they did break out of, of Petersburg. Yeah, they did, uh, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And real quick, just to kind of put it into perspective, the numbers here, and this is over the entire like nine-month period of sure, the siege. Sure, there aren't There aren't exact numbers of how many men were involved uh, just because it was such a long period. I'm sure people yeah. were coming and going. Yeah. But the Union Army had, uh, we read, it's kind of a long range, but approximately 67 to 125,000 men. Right. And like you said, this is men probably coming and going. Yeah there like coming there going elsewhere you know so there's not an exact you know number here sure so they had basically 70 to 120,000 men give right. or take uh-huh. and out of those there were approximately 42,000 casualties over this period killed wounded captured missing kind yeah of thing. yeah and uh per the huge as we <laughs> talk about all the time the confederates uh did not have quite as many people no nope. they had approximately 60,000 men okay at this time yeah which was a pretty good size for oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, per usual, they had far less casualties. Mm-hmm. Like, we see that a lot. You know, Lee's yeah. Army just, they're always outnumbered, but they always fought really hard. Yeah, they did. So they had approximately 28,000 casualties uh, over this period. Okay. But what's really interesting is, you were talking about des- desertions earlier. Yeah. It's estimated they had about 25,000 desertions. Wow. So almost as many people deserted as were killed. Just 3,000 short. Yeah, so, which is really wow. crazy. Uh, that is crazy. You know, and, so and that, that was a, I'm sure, a really devastating blow, definitely to the army to lose that many men just definitely. for them just walk walking away. out. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of Petersburg. That's kind of where that leaves off, and that is the last major siege slash campaign, whatever you want to call it, of the war, or would become the last one of the war, yeah. basically. And it's very important uh, because obviously, once they retreated. Petersburg was captured exactly that same day. And then, so you lost your railroad hub. You lost your yeah. supplies going into Richmond. Kind and of. then as they were retreating, uh, per Lee's, Robert E. Lee's, I guess, request or recommendation, yeah. uh, the Confederate government fled Richmond. They evacuated that city. Yeah. And the next morning, they went down and captured Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. So within a day, it was just like, yeah. it was like nine months of starving to death. And then all of a sudden, these two days, you basically lost everything, everything you had you left. Had. Yeah. yeah. And that's very interesting. And so, see, when did when did Petersburg fall? What was the day? Uh, April second. And then the capital fell. April third. April 3rd. so the next day. The next day. And of so, 65, right? And so, you kind of see this, and you think, "Wow, you know, like you spend these past four Aprils protecting um, this fragile Confederacy to it just basically crumble in two days." Yeah, basically. And so the what happened here, I guess you could say, is basically Davis got together with what cabinet was left kind of thing, and, and they basically rode out. And of course, the citizens 
went their own ways too. Of course, they knew to get out of the city because they knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the important people, of course, everybody, I guess you want to say important. You don't, <laughs> I don't mean that, but I mean like the, the higher ups here being Davis, the president, you know, the vice president Stevens, and then all, all of the cabinet, whatever they get the heck out of Dodge. Right. And so they basically, the plan here is they, they kind of talk with, uh, they're, they're, they're still able to uh, get, get word out to leave back and forth. And they're basically yeah. going to try to just meet up somewhere in the deep South and just, and just wait, wait <laughs> it out. You know, yeah, because at this point they're basically fugitives when you think about it. Yes. I mean, yes, exactly. And so the point here being, uh, and of course Lee saw this as well, the remnants of the army of Tennessee, which we talked about before was not a lot. They were going to try to meet up with them and they, they had came up kind of to uh, Lee's aid uh, they, they, this was under command of Joseph Johnston at mm -hmm. this point. They were going to try to meet up with him. And basically those two armies, if you want to call them you know, what was left, were going to try to meet up with Davis and them and basically be fugitives in the deep South. I get, you know, from what I remember, they were going to go like deep into Alabama or something like that and basically just hide out. Yeah. It's like, what can you do? Right. And I think I even heard some talk of them fleeing to Mexico or something. I feel like I, that, that don't, I went down don't take that as my word, but I, I feel that like sounds I oddly that. familiar. Yeah. And so you kind of get that. And it's basically, you kind of, it's the, the beginning of the end, I guess, came a lot sooner than that. Oh, but you can oh, definitely yeah. see the end very near. If yeah. you want to say, so let's leave that for the time being and let's go to the North and let's talk about what's going on there. All right. So we talked about before the emancipation proclamation, right? Which was in 63, basically freed slaves in the state's rebellion Basically, they couldn't enforce that, right? Because these, you have no federal troops in a lot of these states rebellion, right? Yeah. That are in the deep south. And, of course, this doesn't count for the border states. So the slaves in the border states are still slaves. Mm -hmm. And so in April of 1864, the U.S. Senate passed a proposed amendment banning slavery in the entirety of the nation. Okay. And so it passed with the necessary two-thirds majority. So we're kind of going back in time here, April 64. Yeah. Um, but the amendment, uh, was killed in the house. It didn't get votes it needed in the house. Okay. And so this is because there were lots of Democrats in the house and they refused obviously to vote for this. Yeah. Okay? The democratic party being the party of slavery, you know? And so as November approached, uh, Lincoln's reelection looked far from assured. Okay. And, uh, but there, however, this time you think back of all the military victories that were happening, Sherman cut absolute swath through Georgia. Yeah. just messed them, messed up. them up. And like I said, that was Lincoln's Christmas present from, <laughs> I'm from Sherman. Yeah. Sherman was like, I'm going to give this to Lincoln for Christmas kind of thing, you know? And so it was, and so he, he had a few victories and so that greatly helped his cause. And he actually ended up defeating his democratic opponent, which was no, no, no other than uh, general George McClellan that we remember from way back. <laughs> yeah. And George McClellan, his whole platform is basically, he was here. He, he was going to sue for peace with the Confederacy. So if he would have won, the Confederacy probably would have been its own nation. We probably I don't know about here into the modern days, but it probably still would have been two separate nations, Just which very, is weird to think about. Yeah, very weird to think about. Yeah. And so that was what he basically campaigned on. He was like, we're tired of this war. He's like, I was a general. I fought it. I know. Yeah. He's like, and I'm basically I'm going to sue for peace. He was defeated uh, pretty handily by Lincoln. Um Kind of almost like a, a landslide. Lincoln always seemed to win a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so uh, when Congress reconvened in December of 64, uh, 
a lot of not only the Lincoln win, win Lee election, I can't I can't talk right now. Re-election, <laughs> uh, a lot of Republicans won seats in the House and the Senate, right? <clears throat> and so all these new Republicans uh, put a vote on the proposed amendment at the top of their agenda. Uh, agenda. I just really can't talk. About it, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, more than any previous uh, point in his presidency, Lincoln threw himself into the legislative process here. And there's actually a great movie on this. It's it's called Lincoln. It just came out. I don't know, 2015, 16, something like that. It's been several years ago now, but it's a really good movie. And it kind of, in my mind, sums this up very well. It shows how Lincoln really threw himself into this and counting the votes and making sure there were enough votes to get passed. And he was really like talking to each individual senator, but like, what are you going to vote for? Are you going to help yeah. us out? You know, blah, blah, blah. Which you say that a lot now in the modern era, but you don't think about that much then. Yeah. So, but anyway, Lincoln kind of threw himself into this. And uh, basically was trying to get the votes that he uh, needed, okay? And so um, he got a lot of people to change their votes. He A lot of people who were in the border states who didn't necessarily want this to happen, Lincoln kind of made a few promises here and there, got people to change their votes, which is common with the political process. <laughs> yeah, kind of flip-flopping back and forth. Exactly. And just getting in there and just kind of, you know, doing what you can to, to get people, kind of kind of bribing, I yeah. guess you'd say, to get people. We know he was a really good speaker and – Definitely, you know, definitely very captivating mm -hmm. speaker, I guess you could say. So exactly. he probably didn't have too hard of a time persuading people. No, though. definitely not. And so, uh, skipping forward here on January the thirty first of eighteen sixty five, the House of Representatives actually passed the proposed amendment with a vote of one hundred nineteen to fifty six. Okay, so uh, just over that was just over the required two thirds majority. You had to have a two thirds majority in order mm -hmm. to pass it. And the following day. Lincoln approved a joint resolution of Congress submitting this to state legislators for um, ratification. Okay. And so uh, this was sent off and this would eventually the states would ratify this and it would become the 13th amendment to our constitution. Okay. And so basically um, the 13th amendment ended uh, slavery and uh, involuntary servitude. And so that you think of that being slavery and also, um, anything that looked like slavery. And so yeah. that being, um, I can't think of the words not come to my mind right now. Basically, if you owed a debt to somebody, you could work for them for free to pay that off. Um, what is that word, Dylan? It's not coming to my head, but anyway, you, I'm not sure. you get my point. Uh, yeah, here. I know what you're saying. Though, yeah. uh, anything of that sort was now outlawed in America. And so, uh, it was ratified by all the states and would become, like I said, the 13th Amendment. Uh, and so, yeah, there you go. The, this long fought for, you know, this kind of started before. It kind of started in 62, uh, really came to head in 63. And here we are in 64, where you finally get an actual constitutional amendment that states that everyone who is in the state of slavery right now is hereby yeah. and forever freed for real this time. Because, you know, the proclamation didn't really do much kind of, it, it, it was more of a, uh, a document that was like more look what we did kind of thing. It didn't yeah. really have any weight behind it, but when something becomes an amendment more for show that is, yeah, more for show. That's exactly right. But when something becomes an amendment, it's concrete, it's yeah. backed up by the army and the legislative yeah. courts. Like this is it, you know, but I feel like at this point, you know, which, I mean, obviously that's a great thing that that happened, but like, at the point that it was passed, you know, at this time in the war, I feel like it's it's still kind of, I don't know if the right word to say is funny to think about, but think about like the political landscape of the country because it's like the the U.S. government just passed this amendment, 
but yeah. half the country doesn't view the U.S. government as the government. You know, <laughs> yeah, so it's like exactly now you have to worry about like how are we going to enforce this mm-hmm. when yeah all these states don't even see us as a governing like institution, right? You know, and we would see we're going to see that come ahead yeah. here eventually in a few episodes and kind of see how they would deal with that. Not very well. <laughs> Not very well, honestly. And I, I, uh, I was trying to pull up the actual words here, and I, I've got them. So I'm going to read the exact words that are now in our Constitution. <clears throat> so in the 13th Amendment, says this. It says, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the parties shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So unless you're in prison, <laughs> working for, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh it's illegal. And so that was a great step for our democracy, uh, for our republic, rather. And, um, yeah. Th- but it definitely that's doesn't that. just, like, fix all our problems. Yeah, we're done. You know? Yeah, true, true. And so so there you go. we got the 13th Amendment uh, settled. And I, I like to call it the paperwork, quote, 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 unquote, side of the war. You know, we kind of flip-flop between the war side of the war, seeing <laughs> the fights and stuff. And then we go back to, like, seeing what is the federal government doing? during yeah. the war. So I, I like doing that going back and forth. So Dylan, uh, we've got that taken care of. <clears throat> Let's flip on back to the war side of this. Okay. So we talked about Petersburg. We talked about the Confederates and out on the run. So let's talk about what would now become of, uh, the Southern armies. Okay. So where we left off, uh, Robert E. Lee and the army in Northern Virginia evacuated Petersburg. The, the Confederate government fled Richmond. Yep. And they're all just kind of on the run, trying to get away from Grant, basically, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, he's not – he's just chasing them. Exactly. You know? So, in the following days after they left Petersburg, uh, Lee and his army were – like, so they were basically on the run. They were trying to get to a place called Farmsville, Virginia. Okay. There was a, a train depot there. They were trying to resupply because they'd been trapped in Petersburg sure. for almost a year. Yeah, had nothing. And he was like, we need to go and, like, get some stuff because we're exactly. hungry and, you know. Well yeah. – to no avail, uh, Grant's army beat them there, basically. And uh, so that, that fools their plan, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, basically for uh, – P- they left Petersburg on the 2nd. So, basically for the following week, they're just kind of like running around, just trying to, you know, sure. figure out what to do. And uh, on April 8th of 1865, uh, the Union Cavalry basically kind of trapped Lee's army. They basically kind of – Yet again, under command of Philip Sheridan. Yeah, You're see him a lot which here. was a really – Obviously, a really great cavalry unit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really well known for his skill as a leader, yeah, as a cavalryman. And so they were surrounded by the uh, by the cavalry, and Lee's first thought was basically like, "Okay, we got to break through this, yeah. well, and keep going." Yeah, I mean, know? at this time, cavalry. I mean, it was it was kind of lightly gunned. I mean, they they had, of course, their sidearms. You know, they had revolvers and swords, and, and of course, they had carbines as well. But this was no match for line infantry you yeah know, unless they could get around you and and run through your ranks you know yeah and so lee was just like well let's just push through yeah that was just he was like let's just push because you know a lot of times the cavalry might go ahead of the army or yeah. they'd go on but you know and so, so that, he was thinking this is it right yeah this that, is it let's just go yeah. and get away before the army shows up. right exactly and of course grant pretty much knew he was going to do that. So he reinforced the cavalry. Which Lee uh, didn't know. So there were... Yeah, which Lee had no idea. I think, what was it, like two corps? I think it was two Union, different corps. Of Union troops. Yeah. They were there hi- hiding in wait, waiting <laughs> yeah. for Lee. Because they knew that Lee was going to try to break through. And he fell right into the trap. He did. 
which doesn't happen a lot for Lee. Granted, this is like he he wasn't. Yeah, one he's usually a pretty traps. pretty sneaky, yeah. smart guy, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like probably after a nine month. You let your guard down a little bit. Yeah, he, he they were probably all <laughs> not on top of their game. Exactly. To be fair. Exactly. So they tried to break through. They got pushed back, uh, and on April 9th, basically, and like I said, we're really just kind of skimming over this. This yeah. was this is this part is kind of known as the Battle of uh, Appomattox Courthouse. Yeah, you know, which the, was in Appomattox County, Virginia. Virginia. And this is really the last stand of the well, Army of Northern Virginia. Yeah. So. They're kind of battling and skirmishing it out on the 8th and kind of the 9th. So on April 9th, basically Lee just realizes he's like, look, you know, our, our entire army, we're completely surrounded. We yeah. have no supplies, no food. We're starving to death still. Yeah. I'm sure they probably don't have very much ammunition. Right. Uh, and they were just beaten and battered down, you know. Yeah. So he basically makes the decision that, you know, I'm, he basically says, I'm going to surrender my army. Because right. if I don't, I'm I'm just gonna lead my men into a slaughter for a lost cause. For, right. They exactly. they'll all die for no reason. Exactly. And with that in mind, Dylan, I've got a quote here that when Lee realized he was surrounded, cut off, whatever, and what he needed to do, he said, "Quote: uh, There's nothing left for me to do but go and see General Grant." Lee said, "And I would rather die a thousand deaths." Yeah. So this was definitely something he did not want to do. No, because he because he's been fighting for these past four years. Uh, with these men, and he didn't. He didn't want this to seem as a lost cause. You know, he 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 wanted to keep going, uh, but obviously he knew uh, realistically that he couldn't. So uh, he knew uh, this was kind of it, and so yeah. he he did. He went to go see General Grant. And so, what else have we got here, Dylan? So he, uh, I think Grant actually wrote a letter to him at some point in time during this. Right. It was basically. He's calling for a surrender. Right. And, uh, you know, they kind of had this one little last stand. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he just realized, you know, this is it. Yeah. Either I'm going to surrender or we are all going to die. Yeah. Right now. Mm -hmm. So, so Lee ended up surrendering, uh, to general grant on April 9th of 1865. Yeah. And over the course of these few days of, you know, kind of bumping into each other and kind of, you know, fighting it out this, these last few days of his army, and his, you know, run yeah, of the war. Yeah. Uh, the Union had about 63,000 men mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And uh, only the what we saw, what we read, said it was specifically 164 were killed or wounded. So this wasn't a major, like, battle. No. It was more just kind of a... A skirmish. Yeah. Yeah. So about 164 Union soldiers were killed slash wounded. Mm-hmm. And at this time, the Confederate Army had approximately 26,000 men. Right. So that you can tell they're just dwindling down. Exactly. And during this time, approximately 195 men were killed. Around 305 men were wounded. And between 26 to 28,000 uh, Confederate soldiers were paroled yeah. by Grant. Captured and paroled. Yeah, yeah, captured and paroled after the surrender. I feel like this is only so exact, probably because the Union wrote this down. The yeah, Confederates yeah, didn't probably. take good no- good uh, documents anyway, especially at the end of the war. Especially at this time. I mean, if, if I was in this position, I right. probably wouldn't be very concerned with going yeah. around and like counting everybody. Counting everybody. And, like, you know, yeah. everybody's sound off, you know, <laughs> one, two, two, three. Yeah. So 195 killed. Uh, what was it? 305? 305. Wounded, and then between 26, 28,000 men were captured. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, approximately. and let's talk about that. So when you're paroled, basically what happened was, is these men were brought before, um, 
the Union soldiers basically gave up their arms, gave up their their rifles. They were allowed to keep Grant made sure they were allowed to keep their horses. If any of the men had horses, you know, keep their personal belongings. And basically, they would swear allegiance to, to the United States, you know, kind of raise your right hand kind of thing, swear yeah. to God that you were protect and defend the Constitution, that kind of thing. And basically, they were let to go home. And uh, which is pretty lenient. Oh, yeah. And Grant, this kind of this set a blueprint for the rest of the Union armies when when Confederates would surrender to them because because uh, Lee's surrender was only the first one. It's seen as the kind of quote unquote end of the Confederacy, but there were several more holdouts throughout the South that wouldn't yeah. surrender till much later. And so this kind of set a blueprint for the rest because a lot of people were like, "What do we just execute? Yeah, what, all these what people do we for do? treason?" Because <laughs> they were like, "Well, they basically did like this. This was treason. Yeah. You know what they did, what, what they saw." Uh, and so they were like, "What do we?" execute them what do we do do we just kill twenty eight thousand people you know yeah, which like, historically we, i mean that's kind of been the answer to treason yeah kind of everywhere it's like oh you committed a crime against your country right you're going to be yeah. hanged or whatever i mean know. we go back all the way to the beginning uh, of this series like we not saw, even in this country right you know. exactly well we saw john brown and his men all every one of them that were let of course a lot of them were killed beginning but lot, him and all his men were hung yeah hung for treason yeah for treason yeah. right and so like what do we do you know and and grant was kind of compassionate, I guess, if you will, on him, uh, which Grant was not a very compassionate which, person. Which, yeah, you know, unconditional surrender Grant. You exactly. Would, you would expect him to be very lenient. Exactly, you know. And Glate, uh, Grant, I don't know what I just said there, but Grant, Grant later uh, would write in his memoirs, he, he said this. He said, I felt sad and depressed at the downfall of a foe who had fought so long and valiantly and had suffered so much for a cause, though that cause, I believe, one of the worst for which a people ever fought. And so he didn't believe in their cause whatsoever, but he respected Lee and his men. And their will to fight. And their will to fight, because the Confederates were, a, for the most part, a, a wonderful group of Specifically and fighters. Specifically, Lee's army. Exactly. And so uh, even though mm. they were enemies, uh, Grant kind of saw them as being... Uh, a respectful foe kind of thing. Right. And as you see this grant, even let the officers keep their sidearms. And traditionally when a officer surrenders to another, when you give them your sword, you give them your pistol, whatever. And, uh, grant made sure that, you know, all the officers got to keep their pistols and sabers and which was kind of a respectful thing. Yeah. That thing is being a very disrespectful thing. When you, when you, when the officer surrenders your saber to you and you take it, it's kind of like losing your identity. Right. Right. That's what identified you basically as being an officer. You know, besides the yeah chevrons on your shoulder kind of thing, <laughs> and you can already you can already you know imagine how terrible of like a loss this was for Lee personally because mm. you know it's known that like when Lee joined the war, you know he's from Virginia, yeah, and I think you know people say that his whole thing was, I think the main reason he fought for the Confederate Army was. Because he wanted to remain loyal to his home, right. Virginia. You know, right. he couldn't leave his home and his family and brothers right. behind. And his exact quote was like something of the sort, like he would not raise his sword against his native Virginia. Yeah. Because, and a lot of men saw this throughout the South. They knew that the Northern armies were going to come down here and uh, try to take over, right? And you see that a lot of times uh, men decided they would rather fight against the United States than come down here and fight for it against their home states. Yeah, it's, he, this goes back to the time where states' rights were very important to people. Yeah. And I mean, still, a lot of states' rights are important to a lot of people now, but even at this time, they saw that as being over 
the federal government, right? Yeah. And so, anyway. So I'm sure that was just absolutely terrible for, you know. Definitely. To find all that time and at the end of it, it's just kind of all for nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like you did all that. You lost all these men. You All these years. And then it's just like, okay, go home. Yep. You're done. Definitely. Definitely. So that that's kind of, like I said, that's not the end, quote unquote, of the war. This is the end of Lee's war and the Army of Northern Virginia's war, which granted was the last major army left. Yeah. But throughout the South, you're going to have guerrilla holdouts and you're going to have small militia units, small, you know, units of soldiers still that would try to hold out. And they would hold out for, for a good while, you know, here and there. But this was kind of, this is kind of seen as the official end, even though the last surrender wouldn't happen until much later, I think in May or, or maybe even June of 65. Uh, and sometimes guerrillas, he, uh, there's a case of guerrillas even holding out into 1866. Yeah. When the president would finally declare, quote unquote, that the war was, that the rebels were officially put down. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's kind of the end of the war there. Uh, and of course, later on, we're going to get into what would come after and we would see what would become of the country. But as far as the fighting, uh, major battles happens, uh, happenstance, this this is it. right? Yeah. So as we move on from this, uh, I think we should mention, talk about the president and his, what would become his final days. Okay. So let's talk about that. All right. So Lincoln was quite pleased, obviously, with uh, Grant and his armies. And he, he was happy. He was ready to celebrate. The war was over basically. Yeah. And so he went out to celebrate. Okay. So he and his wife uh, decided they were going to go to uh, a play and just have a good old, good old night. Right. <laughs> and so this night would uh, kind of be ruined by a yeah. gentleman named John Wilkes Booth. Let's talk about him a moment. Okay. So John Wilkes Booth was a native of Maryland and he was actually born in 1838. Uh, he was an actor. He mm -hmm. was a Confederate sympathizer. Um, he never really joined uh, the army, but he did uh, join the Richmond militia just long enough to go witness uh, John Brown's hanging. Yeah. So he was there as a kind of on guard kind of situation person. Yeah. I read something that, uh, and I don't know how true it is, but I did read that. I guess he was in the Richmond area. Yeah. With some sort of theater group. He was auditioning for a part, or maybe he was part of this group already, like right. a traveling group. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess he caught word that the M Richmond militia was was going to be at right. John Brown's execution, I, I suppose. And he joined the militia just to go see yeah. John Brown's execution. I don't know. Right. I'm not sure why. but right. uh, And I think after the execution, I'm, I'm assuming he just kind of like left. Yeah. Like, exactly. oh, I'm done now. Went back to acting. <laughs> and so, like I said, Booth was a Confederate sympathizer. And Booth actually planned to kidnap Lincoln uh, and and basically take him to Richmond and basically be like, here's Lincoln, give him the Ew. Jeff Davis, basically. Like, here's Lincoln. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he he had a few co-conspirators, I believe six other conspirators, and they were going to kidnap Lincoln on March the 20th of 1865. However, Lincoln uh, failed to appear where they were. Uh, the, he, uh, he, as in uh, Booth and his six conspirators, were kind of laying in wait in D.C. And uh, he never showed up. And uh, just only two weeks later, Richmond fell on April the 3rd, and Lee surrendered, like you said, on April uh, the 9th, okay? Yeah. And so uh, that was no bueno at all, right? You've got... Um, yeah, he's like, well, that plan's not going to work. That plan's not going to work at all. 
And so basically what would happen is they would devise uh, another plan and basically uh, try their hand at it again, okay? So uh, the new plan would be this. Uh, Booth and his conspirators learned that Lincoln would be attending a play uh, called Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in D.C. on April the 14th, okay? And so he was a mastermind of a plan that was even more diabolical than a kidnapping. Okay. He wanted to murder the president and assassinate the president. Okay. I guess at this point it's like, where do you take him? Where do you take him? Yeah. Somewhere in the deep South, wherever (laughs) Davis is. (laughs) So, uh, he and his co-conspirators believed that there would be a simultaneous assassination. So Booth would kill Lincoln while his co-conspirators would kill vice president Andrew Johnson and secretary of state William Seward. Okay. And so these were the president's two successors, and they thought that this would throw the U.S. government into absolute disarray. Okay. Yeah. I guess it was kind of like the last ditch. I like to see it as kind of the last ditch effort. Yeah. Because it's like basically the war, the Confederate Army is done for. Done for, basically. Not right. literally, I guess. You're but right. I guess they're like, oh, well, if we just take out the U.S. government, basically, mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a chance right. somehow. Exactly. And so, uh, that was the plan. They were going to try to do this and kind of at least throw the government in disarray. So Lincoln shows up a little late to the comedy show. It's a, our American cousin is a comedy show. And uh, reportedly Lincoln was in good mood. He was in a private box above the stage with his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln and uh, their guests for the night, uh, a young army officer named Henry Rothborn and his fiance, Clara Harris. Okay. So uh, they were there watching the play and about 10 15 PM booth slipped into the president's box um, and uh, fired his 44 caliber single shot Derringer pistol into the back of Lincoln's head. Okay. And so the Lincoln is shot. And in, in the meantime, that young officer gets up and rushes at booth and booth stabs him mm-hmm. uh, to kind of stop him kind of thing, you know? And so I believe in the shoulder stab. Anyway, he stabs him nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> if you're getting stabbed, don't really matter where you've <laughs> yeah. been stabbed. And so uh, that happens. Uh, he he, he kind of shoots Lincoln in the back of the head. Um, not kind of. He does it. Oh, yeah, he uh, does it. Lincoln kind of slumps forward. Uh, the bullet never exits Lincoln's head. Uh, if you know anything about that pistol, a Derringer is a very small pistol. Yeah. Very small powder load. It didn't really have enough power to get through his head, I guess, if you want to say. Yeah. So, but he was obviously terribly injured. And so Booth leapt from the box onto the stage, which is a good little leap. Yeah. And uh, he hit the stage, broke his leg, uh, but kept on going. And he shouted out six Semper Tyrandus, which means thus, also, thus always to tyrants, which is also the uh, motto of the state of Virginia. And thus always mm-hmm. to tyrants basically means death to tyrants. Yeah. And so he basically he was calling Lincoln a tyrant. And jumped out of the box and basically fled the scene. Okay. Now, at first, the crowd actually interpreted this as being part of the show. Okay. Um, however, they heard obviously the first lady screaming and whatnot, and so they knew like this was not uh, part of the show, right? So uh, they came up. Uh, several soldiers came up and carried Lincoln from his box across to the. Uh, building across the road. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Lincoln was obviously not respond, not responsive. Yeah. He, apparently they say he was paralyzed. He, he like, he was kind of cognizant, like moving his head around, but he could not move his limbs yeah. and whatnot. Right. Cause obviously he shot him like where your spine basically connects to your head. So anyway, kind of did him in with, yeah. with that one. Right. 
And so um, basically they moved him across the street to a, there was a boarding house there and they called in a surgeon. And when he arrived to that boarding house, basically uh, he told his wife and everybody that he would not, he could not do anything. Basically he would probably die too far during the night. Right. And so uh, basically vice president Andrew Johnson, members of Lincoln's cabinet and several of their closest friends kind of stood by uh, there in the boarding house at the president's bed with the first lady and her son, Robert Todd Lincoln. Okay. So they're there um, throughout the night and Lincoln was finally pronounced dead at 7:22 AM on April the 15th of 1865 at the age of 56. So you can see I was just a totally kind of, I mean, it, Booth's part of the plan worked, but I guess the whole co-conspirator, of the yeah, yeah, I guess the See, plan partially failed. It, there. The whole thing fell apart basically after yeah. Lincoln was shot because the city went into like uh, attention. Basically, they were like on visual for anything else because they they were afraid this would happen to other members of yeah. the cabinet or you know Congress or whatever. So uh, that happened. Um, here you go. You the, the president's dead, and so the president had a had had plans uh, of how he would reincorporate the South into the North, the, the nation again. Uh, but we would never see these plans kind of come to fruition in the way that he imagined them because a new president would obviously come into office. That being his vice president, Andrew Johnson mm-hmm. and Andrew Johnson uh, was a native of Tennessee and he would not have the same views as Lincoln on a lot of his uh, reconstruction as it was called activities. Okay? Yeah. So from this point on in American history uh, and until like the 18. 18- 70s, uh, early 1880s was called Reconstruction. And we're going to get into that relatively soon. But for the time being, the president's dead. Um, he got us through this terrible civil war and the, the nation was kind of at a loss for words at this point. Yeah. Well, you can see how, I guess, basically what the first two weeks of April of yeah. 1865, like a lot of stuff. A lot happened. of stuff happened. Yeah. Like several major, lot, major things. A lot of highs and lows, right? Yeah. Like in the North. Hey, we defeated the Confederate Army. Lee surrendered. Blah blah. And you're terrible. Low. Your president dies all of a sudden. But it's reverse in the South. It's like, yeah. oh, Lee was defeated. Yay, the president is dead. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Dylan, do you have anything else to add here? I think that uh, about sums it up. That sums it up. And so, guys, you know, th- this kind of threw the already shaken nation into a panic. And we're going to see in the next episode how a new president will handle the weight of uh, uniting a nation once torn apart. By the war. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and I appreciate you listening at home or in the car or wherever you may be. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend and spread the word about your favorite history podcast. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at just another history podcast. That's underscores between each word uh, where we will post polls, questions, updates and information on future episodes. Make sure to join us next week at the same time and at the same place. The topic for next week's episode will include Reconstruction, Impeachment, and the Compromise of 1877. That's all for now, and we hope to catch you all on the next episode of Just Another History Podcast. And until next time, remember, dive deeper, learn more, and share your love of history. Bye-bye for now.